Hey detective, welcome to the Nancy Drew Rendezvous, a podcast where we take a chronological look at all the books in our Nancy Drew Files series. I'm your host Teagues and today's case is case 44, Scent of Danger. Hello detective, I hope you're having a wonderful day um, and we're just going to get straight into it. So this is case number 44, Scent of Danger, and it was released in February 1990. And like always, we're going to go through some events of what was happening in the world in February 1990. And our biggest event that took place in February 1990 was the fact that Nelson Mandela was released after 27 years of imprisonment in South Africa. And also on February the 13th, the US, Britain and France give Germany the okay to reunify. So yeah, it was a very important time in history back then. Um, so I also go through like what movies came out in that month and I swear in like the American winter spring, there really isn't much. Like I was going through this list. I'm like, I haven't heard of any of these movies, but when it gets to like June, July, all the big blockbusters come out. So the only movie that I really recognized from the list was La Femme Nikita. Yeah, like I've just heard of it. I'd never seen it or anything. And as for like the songs that were topping the charts, Paula Abdul's Opposites Attract was number one for like the entire month. And I remember loving that song when I was a kid. I'm pretty sure the film clip had like her and a like a wolf dog thing, um, like animated thing, like, you know, talking about how opposites attract. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's get into our cover discussion. So Scent of Danger has Nancy as a what I would actually call a strawberry blonde this time, um, looking like a deer in headlights. And speaking of headlights, she's holding a torch. So I don't know, she must have seen something that's totally shocked her and she's wearing like a purple cashmere sweater. And then behind her, she's got a nerd. I don't know, he's like a nerdy looking guy, but at the same time, he's like got really like cool boy hair and a leather jacket. And in the background, we've got like a big cat possum looking thing standing on a branch, which I do know is now called a civet, which is an animal that's native to Asia and Africa. Yeah. So I don't know. It's not a very interesting cover. It doesn't really tell you much except that it might involve this civet thing. And yeah. All right. Let's get into the book. The book begins with Bess throwing a perfume party. So I just totally imagine this to be like some sort of Tupperware or MLM type of party where you, you know you bring all your friends around and you make them feel bad and kind of con them into purchasing stuff and somebody higher up than you is told you to throw the party with the promises of getting lots of money, but it never really works that way and it's just awkward for everybody around. And she sprays this perfume on George called Whisperer Spring. And I'm like, hang on a second. This perfume sounds really familiar. And then I went back to the perfume that Nancy was wearing in High Marks for Malice. And the perfume was called A Scent of Spring. And I'm like, oh, darn. I actually thought that <laughs> it was going to be the same perfume. And I'm like, well, that's pretty cool that the authors, you know, kind of discussed it and came up with the same perfume, but sadly, that wasn't the fact. At the party is two girls called Lauren and Paula. Lauren kind of recognizes Nancy as the famous detective, so I wonder if that will come in relevant later on in the book. 
George and Nancy aren't really into this whole perfume party thing, so they go and take a seat by the window and open it. And just a little fact, it is still winter in this book, which is quite unusual that the books kind of go in some sort of time continuality thing. Um, but the, like the last two books have both been set in winter. So yeah, it's still winter now. Um, and this is also a really interesting segue because it turns out that George has a job at the zoo. Well, not actually a job because we know that people in these books never actually work, but um, George is volunteering there. We This is the second job that George has had or volunteer job that George has had. She was also volunteering back in Danger in Disguise as well. And it's also interesting that River Heights has a zoo. Like this is supposed to be a small town in like Illinois, but it's turning into like a huge city, the fact that it has a zoo. The best thing about working at the zoo is a zoology student there called Owen. George is absolutely smitten with him. So it's about time that George has a love interest in these books. So Owen is at the zoo working on a project involving civets, which are a nocturnal cat possum-like creature, but neither a cat nor a possum. They're only found in Africa and Asia. So that's why I hadn't heard of them. Um, And Owen was really sure that he would have to go to Africa for a civet project, but then the zoo got a special donation to start its own civet project, so he came to River Heights instead. And he's not too sorry that he didn't get to go to Africa because he's met George. Well, Owen didn't really say that, but the girls are saying that, you know, just doing the little teasing. It's like, oh, if he didn't go to River Heights, he wouldn't have met you. You know, the general teasing that happens. However, of course, there is always a problem. Two civets have disappeared and Owen has been accused of letting them loose. Then Owen calls the house to tell George that two more civets have gone missing and Owen is being accused of stealing them. Of course, George swears that he's getting set up because people are jealous of his project. She begs Nancy to investigate the missing civets and Nancy agrees. And now we're on a case. I swear that was like the quickest segue into a case ever in one of these books. If she's not already on a case, this one, you know, jumps straight into it. A lot of the books, Nancy and Cole are just enjoying their vacation or their lives and something bad happens and I don't know, it's kind of like she's on the case but she's not really on the case, whereas this one it's like, okay, cool, Nancy's case is to find out who is letting the civets loose or who is stealing them. The next day they go to the zoo and Owen is there. He's described as being cute with horn rim glasses and muscles. He actually sounds hella cute from this description, but the cover art isn't doing him any favors. Like, yeah, I wouldn't say the guy on the cover of this book is attractive. He rambles on about the animals and Nancy can tell that he's very passionate about his job and the animals. We learn that teenage gorillas are kind of like human teenagers. They hang out in their room a lot. I thought that was like super cute. It's like, yeah, I can understand that. Finally, we get to meet the civets. There were 10, but since the four have gone missing, there is only six left. One jumps out of a tree and scares Bess, which is like totally cute. I can just imagine Bess going, <laughs> like, yeah. And it looks like there's going to be a lot of Bess in this book, which is awesome because I am all for Bess. You know how much I love her. So Nancy asks if a civets could have escaped. Nope, only one door and it leads to a supply closet, which needs a special key to open it. And if there is no key and someone tries to open it, an alarm sounds. Because of this, the security reckons the fifth is from someone that has a key. 
Nancy finds it weird that Owen isn't worried despite being accused. He claims he didn't do it, so why would he be stressed? Which is absolutely totally reasonable. If you're innocent, why would you be stressed if someone's accusing you and stuff? Like, I guess you would still be a little bit stressed, but nah, it's good. Imagine having so much confidence that if you're innocent and everything points to you, that you can still stay cool, calm, and collected. Owen seems to think that it could be Tyler, the assistant zookeeper, um, that is dealing with civets, and he thinks that it could be Tyler because Tyler's nasty to Owen and always giving him a hard time. George is also really super defensive of Owen. She's all like, Tyler is so mean to Owen. Wow, 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 my poor Owen. And then shortly after that, we meet the zookeeper responsible for the Africa exhibit, which includes the civet display. She's a fancy lady called Zoe, and she's described as being pretty with a dark hair, and she's dressed super elegantly under her lab coat. And of course, we get the usual people being super skeptical of Nancy being a tech detective, which is like getting super old. I'm sick of this happening in every book. Also, Bess like just blurts out to Zoe that Nancy is a detective and Bess really, really needs to stop doing that, especially if they feel like it's somebody at the zoo that's responsible. Now Nancy's cover is blown. Like, oh, it's, surely Bess would know better by now. Also, Bess is like super impressed by Zoe and she notes that she smells amazing. So this is like the second perfume reference in the book. So I feel like this is clearly foreshadowing something. I mean, the book is called Scent of Danger after all. Is someone stealing civets to make perfume? Can you even like make perfumes out of civets? I I don't know. However, I do know that if this book was made in the late 2010s, early 2020s, I bet someone would be stealing the civets because supposedly when they eat and poop out coffee beans, it makes the beans much more delicious. Yep, seriously. Like it's a very huge delicacy and I'm sure like farming of civets has like become a problem now because hipsters want their fancy poop coffee. Anywho, we finally meet Tyler. Bess, of course, blurts out again that Nancy is a detective. Tyler thinks it's stupid Owen has gotten amateurs in to solve this case because, you know, civets are very important. To be fair, Owen doesn't really act as though he wants Nancy around. So, yeah, Tyler shouldn't really, like, you know, get up at Owen about it. And then Tyler out of nowhere threatens Owen, telling him to keep his nose out of his business or Tyler will guarantee Owen is kicked from the zoo, which is just weird. What business? Why does Tyler want Owen gone? Is it just simply jealousy because Owen's there? Like, Tyler shouldn't be jealous. He's the assistant zookeeper. Owen's just working on a project there. I don't know. It's, it's just weird, this dynamic. I don't know, I guess the author wants us to think that Tyler is responsible and they're trying to make him look guilty. We know how these books go, detective. Owen then shows the girls the exhibit. He takes them from the supply room that leads to the door to the civet exhibit. Nancy, ever the detective, notices lots of plants and how easily a staff member would be able to take something and leave without anyone noticing. Oh, and there's also like a chairlift ride going across the top of the zoo. I feel like they mention that because there's going to be some drama involving that chairlift later on. Yeah, it's just a weird thing to point out. Owen tells George that he'll take her on it later. It's really cool. Owen's definitely keen on George as much as George is keen on Owen. It's about time there was some romantic interest in this book. It's been way too long. I think the last time we had a 
something to hide and Bess and Brad. And yeah, that was the last time. And that was a fair few books ago now, maybe like three or four. Uh, Nancy notices that there's no noticeable tampering on the door. And then suddenly the zoo director, Mr. Morris Berry, comes in being all like, what are you doing back here? And then he recognizes the name Nancy Drew and everything's fine. He knows about her from Chief McGuinness, who is a friend of hers. Good old Chief McGuinness. But Mr. Berry, this is also how people get fooled like they did in False Impressions. People say they are Nancy Drew and everyone blindly believes them and then they get scammed. Nancy needs to have some sort of like ID badge now after that whole incident. Nancy finds nothing and Owen's like, thanks anyway, and acts as though Nancy's done with the case. When she tells him otherwise, he tells her not to waste her time. All right, mate, you're accused of stealing civets and you don't want her help. That's really weird. Bess isn't a fan of Owen either. Yep, you go, girl. You don't let this dude treat you and Nancy like airhead when you're probably smarter than him. Sure, he might be civet smart, but you girls have got that street smarts. They leave the zoo and Bess and Nancy quickly swing by the mall, which has a fancy fur store called Hermanovich Furs, to find out if civet fur is valuable. Turns out that it's not because it's too coarse. Look, Nancy, while you're there, why don't you ask the cafe at the mall to see if they've been stealing them and feeding them coffee beans to poop out, (laughs) okay? Like, I still think this would be like like a cool mystery. Maybe they'll revisit the civet storyline in the Nancy Drew Diaries and my dream will come true. (laughs) When they leave uh, the mall, they see a man trying to break into Nancy's car. And when confronted, he says in a heavy accent that he thought it was his car and then bolts. The man has a heavy accent and he's wearing mirrored sunglasses. They don't say what the accent is, but I wonder if it's like an Asian or African accent and someone who's knowledgeable about civets. Hmm. As they leave the mall, the man who was trying to break into Nancy's car begins following them in a green van. Nancy manages to lose them and then they head off to lunch, which they have sandwiches and milkshakes. Thank goodness it wasn't pizza. These girls really need to mix up their diets. So let's just go over it. We have missing civets, an angry co-worker, and now a weird man following Nancy. What on earth is happening? Oh, and not only that, we've got perfume being mentioned all the time. George goes over to Nancy's house that evening and hangs out with Carson and Hannah and eats chocolate pudding with them. I just like mentioning these small little parts because I like the in-between bits. I like learning more about Nancy and what they get up to in between solving mysteries. Bess is on a date, so she's not there. Um, while eating the pudding, George is gushing over Owen. She really likes him. I hope he turns out to be innocent for George's sake. Poor George was heartbroken by John when he left her back in the beginning of the series. Suddenly, there is a knock at the door. It's Owen. Another civet is missing and Owen is for sure now that someone is trying to frame him. Uh Uh-oh. Nancy again offers to help Owen and he reluctantly agrees. He kisses George and then leaves. Yay! George has got another kiss. Woo-hoo-hoo. Even though it's only on the cheek, still gonna count. Woo-hoo-hoo. You go, George. (laughs) George is like acting super, super cute. Like she's dancing around the room pretending like to do a waltz and whatnot. (laughs) Adorable. Anyway, the crew gets straight to work the next morning. Owen explains his actions the previous night. He went out for dinner with George, and when he came back, he went to tuck the civets in. Well, actually, only check on them, but you know, it sounds much cuter saying that he goes to tuck them in, and then he noticed that one was gone. There were definitely six before he left for dinner. George even helped feed them. 
Nancy assumes that the thief took them while he was gone for dinner. He would have noticed someone taking them while he was working. He also found it weird that the thief didn't wait until he left for the night. He left all the lights on to make sure that he would be coming back after dinner, which means that the thief clearly made it look like a setup. He also didn't sign the book saying that he was leaving. Only George and the night guard knew that he had gone. So it's doubtful the guard would have remembered meaning his only alibi is George, who could easily be accused of lying to protect her almost boyfriend. Okay, if it was late and the zoo was closed, I'm sure the guard would remember seeing you leave. Like, this is just a dumb plot hole. Not only that, I'm sure the place they ate dinner would have given them an alibi too, but whatever. Owen called the zoo security straight away, but someone else had called them earlier, an anonymous tip-off, which is also weird. Oh, and the faith also took food and supplies, meaning that they are somehow keeping the civets alive somewhere, which is good. Zoe, our ever-glamorous zookeeper, rocks up with two security guards who are here to question Owen and check things out. Why are they leaving this up to the security guards at the zoo? Surely it's time to get, like, the cops involved. We're losing, like, you know, important animals here. The security guards didn't learn any more than what Nancy did. The doors didn't look tampered, so whoever took them clearly had a key. So who at the zoo has a key? Well, Zoe, Tyler, and Owen. It clearly has to be one of them, and it can't be Owen. Well, it could be Owen, because our girls do have a habit with falling for the bad guys. Zoe then pulls Owen into her office, and of course, Nancy and George eavesdrop. How else would they get some important clues or intel in these books without eavesdropping? Owen tries to defend himself. Zoe says Tyler has been complaining about Owen, and Zoe pulls Owen off the project until this thing is sorted. Oh, poor Owen. We know that he loves the project. What is on earth is happening? Who is stealing the civets? Why are they stealing the civets? What is happening? Come on, Nancy. Chop, chop. Get to work. Nancy then peers into Zoe's office when Owen leaves and she sees a photo of a man with a handlebar mustache on Zoe's desk. Like, that has to be relevant, otherwise why would she mention it? Owen is absolutely distraught. George tries to comfort him, assuring Nancy will solve the mystery and he's rude about it yet again. Nancy's like... Why does he care more about his reputation than the civets? It's like, well, because his whole job's on the line. Like, of course he cares about the civets, but he's also working on this, like, dream project. And, yeah, it's understandable that he's going to be upset. Come on, Nancy. The crew head off to eat and Nancy sees the dude in the mirrored sunglasses again and follows him into the World of Africa exhibit where she gets a better look at him. He's tall, dark and handsome. (laughs) No, the book didn't say that. They just said that he's dark head with olive skin and wearing an expensive suit, which in my head just means tall, dark and handsome. After watching the civets, he heads up to the staff area with a key, a key that supposedly only Owen, Zoe and Tyler had. And then Nancy, you know, does that quick thing where, you know, you sneak in just before a door shuts. Nancy then overhears Zoe and a man talking, but she can't hear exactly what they're saying. Next to Zoe's office is a door marked authorized personnel only. Nancy figures that she will go into that room to get a better listen. However, just as she opens the door, Tyler pulls her aside and says, what are you doing in there? You can't go in there. It's dangerous. It's filled with sick and vicious animals. Could the missing civets also be in there? Hmm. 
Tyler makes a comment about how badly the place is run. Then Zoe overhears it and then they argue between themselves. There's insult and tension, which is a bit interesting. Zoe tells Nancy to leave and that even though Mr. Berry said that she could be in the area, she needs to clear it with Zoe first. Why Zoe? So you can hide evidence? Yeah, probably. However, I'm still lost. I don't have any like solid theories just yet. Back with George and Owen, Nancy explains the argument between Zoe and Tyler. Owen says that he's seen them spend a lot of time together outside the office despite disliking each other. So, hmm, that's a bit weird. What could they be up to? Planning to steal civets together and sell them to that man? Speaking of which, Nancy sees the man again and jumps up to follow him. They end up in the car park and the van is heading straight for Nancy. She quickly like rolls out of the way before it hits her and there is near-death experience number one. Thankfully, Nancy's okay because she's immortal and despite being told to get off the case, she refuses because Nancy never gives up on a case and when people try to kill her, it just means she's on the right track. Bess then rocks up and invites Nancy to go to the mall. Nancy really doesn't want to go, but she goes anyway. And then they head to a department store called Daly's to return the perfumes from Bess's party. The sales lady tells her that she should become a salesperson because that's where she started and now she runs the whole department. Yeah, this absolutely screams MLM. Bess would be someone who participates in MLMs. (laughs) Like she just seems like the type and, you know, the Huns, it's like, oh, hi, Han, how's it going? You should totally come to my perfume party. It's going to be so much fun. We'll have wine and nibbles and anyway. The lady from the perfume department shows them a new perfume and we learn that it smells so good because it contains a special scent that's hard to find. Where is this scent found? Why from civets, of course. Ding, 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 ding. That's the reason why they talk about the perfume so much. Man, civet butts are a hot item. Not only do they poop out good coffee beans, but their anal glands secrete delicious smelling oils like i didn't know that civet butts was so yeah so good (laughs) so there's our motive now who is stealing the civets for their expensive scent well it could be tyler because as the girls leave the apartment store they see him buying an expensive watch with cash and there is plenty more bills where that came from How does an assistant zookeeper afford such expensive things? Not only that, he has an expensive sport car, which he drives back to the zoo, you know, because the girls followed him. This certainly does make Tyler look guilty, or maybe he just has rich parents, who knows? How come Nancy never does background tests on these people? It's not uncommon to Google everyone you meet, and I know they didn't have Google back in 1990, but, like, they did have the library, and I'm sure you could look him up. Like, she goes through a lot of newspapers. I don't know, how do they, like, catalogue the microfilm? I have no idea. They probably, okay, it's probably difficult, and she probably doesn't think it's worth her time. And that evening, they attend a nature movie at the River Heights, country club and not only that Bess blew off a date to go with Nancy and Owen and the country club is set up like a prom scene from Twilight you know I'm always going to use that example when the garden parts are described like this The country club was lit up outside with tiny white bulbs. It looked like fairyland. Inside, zoo employees and patrons milled around among masses of potted plants strung with more tiny lights and festooned with gold ribbon and bows. Yep, twilight prom scene. The girls have dressed up for this movie night. Bess is wearing pink chiffon. 
George is wearing a checkered, a black and white checkered two-piece suit, and Nancy is wearing a high-colored emerald green silk shirt and pants that looked vaguely Chinese. I have no idea how pants can look Chinese, but okay. They spot Zoe, who is dressed all chic and smelling amazing yet again. Um, Okay, if Zoe smells so amazing, maybe she's stealing the civets and getting their oils and making fancy perfume since they have to keep mentioning how good she smells. Like, okay, that's my theory. That is is the case solved. Okay, all right, we're done. It's Zoe. She's stealing the civets to make this nice smelling perfume. But, you know, I could be wrong. Plus, we're only halfway through the book and it's never the most obvious person. Although I guess it isn't super obvious. I'm just an expert at these cases now because I've read so many of them. Zoe's arguing with Tyler when she sees Nancy, George and Bess, she kind of like ushers them away. So why is Zoe arguing with Tyler? Why do they hate each other so much? Hmm. After the movie, they head out to the car park to leave and they see the green van but can't see who's driving it. They also hear a noise from Owen's car. Nancy opens the door and is tacked by a civet. (laughs) Okay. Uh, This part made me laugh. I can just imagine a civet jumping out of the car and like clawing Nancy's face, kind of like a face hugger in Aliens. And fun fact, I actually haven't seen Aliens. I just know about them. I have never been able to watch Aliens uh, because that movie is like a horror movie for me. I just, I'm too scared to watch it. Also, this feels um, really similar to the case uh, Most Likely to Die where a bunch of bees or wasps or something fly out of a car and attack Nancy. Or was it Ned? I don't know. Something flies out of a car and attacks somebody. But yeah, near death number two. Nancy's bleeding but doesn't want to go to the hospital, but don't you think you should? Wouldn't she need like a tetanus shot or something? (laughs) Which reminds me, I've like been loving this TV show called Alone and so many of the like contestants get stabbed or bitten by animals and they just like need to use pine needles and stuff to make sure they don't get infections. But then at the same time, like I just figure if you get bitten by an animal, you need a tetanus shot. So... (laughs) But then again, I'm not an expert when it comes to animal bites. I've never been bitten by one. Owen recognizes this particular civet as one of the missing civets, then knocks it out with some tranquilizer he had in his car. Nancy finds it super weird that he has this in his car, and it's even more suspicious since he doesn't work at the zoo anymore. The group figures that the person driving the green van planted the civet in Owen's car. The civet is absolutely freaking out and it's terrified and when they're scared they make this musty smell it doesn't smell nice and Bess wonders why they put it in the perfume Owen was surprised that she knew about the fact that you know civets are used to make perfume Nancy's really suspicious of Owen but doesn't want to ruin George's mood because she's head over heels with him. Why do our main characters date suspects? I just, I don't get it. They arrive at the zoo to return the zivet. The door is locked but thankfully Owen forgot to return his keys to Zoe and then he lets them in, which is a bit weird. I'm sure Zoe would have chased him up about the keys. Also, why is there no security guard at the security booth? They return the civet to the enclosure and then bam, someone yells, stop, you're under arrest. Mr. Berry, two security guards and Zoe appear. A caller had tipped them off, telling them that Owen and his friends were about to steal another civet. And if that Zoe got to the zoo quickly, she would catch them. And honestly, yeah, this does not look good for the group. They technically broke into the zoo and have a missing civet with them. Mr. Berry is so mad. He trusted Nancy and now he looks like a fool. 
They try to explain that they are returning a civet, but that makes everyone even more confused. They prove that they are returning it by showing them all six civets, and Mr. Berry slightly softens, but he's still furious. He's handing the investigation over to the police, and they are all banned from the zoo. Well, yeah, it's about time you hand it over to a police. I don't know why you're letting Nancy deal with this. But how will Nancy solve the case if she can't access the zoo? I wonder if she's going to break in again, because that's what Nancy seems to like doing, Uh, you know. Class three felonies and all that. She doesn't care. She's just going to do what she needs to do to solve a case. Over hot chocolate at Nancy's place, the group discussed the case. I wonder if it was in summer if they would be drinking like iced tea or lemonade and because it's winter, they're drinking hot chocolate. I don't know. They try to figure out who planted the civet in Owen's car and then called Zoe to catch Owen, knowing he'll do the right thing and return it to the zoo. Tyler is obviously the first suspect. They only briefly saw him at the country club. They couldn't see the driver of the green van. It could have easily have been Tyler... But then again, it could have easily have been the man in the sunglasses. But why would it be Taylor? He wanted Owen out of the zoo and Owen's gone now. So why continue to set him up? And also, where does Tyler get all this money from? Owen tells the group that he's always complaining about being broke and that Zoe is in charge of the salaries. Zoe doesn't like Taylor either, so she probably doesn't pay him well, which I'm sure the Industrial Relations Committee doesn't care if you like someone or not. You can't pay someone on a scale of how much you like or dislike them, which means only one thing. He's stealing civets for extra cash. Well, that's definitely a lucrative side hustle, and it does give Taylor, Tyler rather, a motive for stealing the civets. Nancy devises a plan to get Owen and Nancy access to the zoo. She's going to speak to Zoe and sweet talk her into it. So she goes off to see Zoe the next day and is greeted by a secretary who leads her into Zoe's office. Zoe makes these comments regarding it being weird to have a secretary. Zoe looks chic as usual. She's wearing a large tailored coat dress of red wool with large black buttons down the front with matching black onyx earrings. You know, the clothes zookeepers usually wear. Don't they usually just wear like kakai, like pants and shorts, like pants, shorts, or a shirt? Like I'm just thinking Bindi Irwin here and Steve Irwin. Nancy tries to convince Zoe to let Nancy and Owen back into the zoo. Nancy should be okay, but Owen, not a chance. Mr. Berry will not change his mind. Now, detective, the case-solving clue is about to happen. Will Nancy pick up on it? Well, the phone rings and the secretary answers and says, sorry, this isn't clearly sense. Clearly sense. But the book spells sense as in nonsense, but it could easily be S-C-E-N-T-S as in smell perfume. And Zoe is running a perfume business on the side. Nancy doesn't pick up on this, which is actually surprising, but maybe she'll pick up on it later. Something She always misses clues when they're happening, but then something clicks and she's like, oh my goodness, I've got it, and then rushes off and solves the case immediately. Like, I wonder how much danger she would like save herself from getting into if she noticed these things straight away. Nancy goes and speaks with the secretary to sort her out and Nancy notices a book on her desk called Fit for a Queen, which seems out of place at a zoo. Maybe this is important. Why would they mention it otherwise? Also, Nancy doesn't really pay too much attention to the book at all. Anyway, Zoe returns and promises to speak to Mr. Berry in a couple of days, clearly brushing Nancy off. A couple of days is a long time when there are mysteries to be solved. Zoe rushes out of her office and gets in her car, which means what detective? If you guessed it means Nancy has to follow her, you'd be completely right. Zoe arrives at a drugstore and meets with a man who hands her a gun and a bag. Zoe drives off and gets a good look at the man's face. It's Owen. 
Dun dun. Now, maybe this gun is just the dart gun that he used to tranquilize and the bag contains other medicines for the animals and he was just returning it. Oh, okay, never mind. The book actually says it was the tranquilizer gun. Anyway, this makes the wheels in Nancy's head spin and she goes over the case while following Owen. Her theories include the fact that Owen might be crushing on Zoe because she's hot and elegant and he would do anything she asked, including stealing civets, or they are working together. But that doesn't explain the whole setup and busting them when they returned the missing civet to the zoo. Following Owen just leads Nancy to George's house. She's upset that Owen is a suspect because George will absolutely be heartbroken. Nancy decides that she needs Bess's help. Bess is absolutely furious that Owen is going behind George's back and must tell her ASAP. Okay, these girls really need to chill on this theory. It's totally wild. They have no proof. Regardless, they go to George's house and tell her, and George is absolutely shocked and enraged that Nancy followed Owen. George had thought she saw Nancy's car and was is very upset that Nancy is spying on her. In fact, upset is an understatement. George screams, You know, Nancy, your detective work is a lot more important to you than your friends. How can you say that? Nancy asks, upset by her friend's accusations. She's only taken on this case because of George. Because it's true, George shouts at her. You don't care about me. The only thing that matters to you is the case. She spat out the words as if they were choking her. I've had it with you and your suspicion, and I've had it with you being my friend. Oh my goodness. George has it really bad for this dude. What is it about love that makes us so blind? I think a similar thing happened on Murderer on Ice as well when John was under suspicion. Also, George gets really defensive. It's like, why is she like putting this guy before her friends and why doesn't she trust her friends? Really, like when you first meet somebody, please don't let your new partner get in the way of your friendships. Please value your friendships more. They're so, so, so important. George storms off and works off steam by getting on her exercise bike, which I guess is better than punching a wall. Bess is also super emotional after that outburst. So what does she do to blow off steam? Why go to the mall, of course. Nancy goes with her. She wants to speak to the lady at the perfume counter in Dailies again to get more information about the civet oil. When they arrive, Bess cries out, Oh my gosh, I love your outfit. The perfume buyer was wearing a white silk jacket over a soft plum-colored wool dress, which, yeah, that sounds... I love woolen dresses. They're so comfy. And yeah, this outfit sounds exquisite, like very 80s still, but also very contemporary. Nancy goes, it's Italian, isn't it? And the lady says, you have a good eye. It's by Gianni Muscatelli, the designer. Uh, what? Like, since when does Nancy notice fashion designers? I swear back in Death by Design, Nancy didn't know anything about fashion and designers, and now she's an expert? Maybe I'm wrong. Whatever. I just found this whole exchange weird, and I don't know why they mentioned it. Now, if, like, Bess noticed that it was an Italian designer, that would make a lot more sense. We learn so much information here. It turns out that the book that Zoe had on her desk, Fit for a Queen, it's pretty much the perfume Bible, and it tells you everything you need to know about perfume. Not only that, but the lady has also received a call from somebody telling her that one of the most popular perfumes made with civet oil is coming back on the market. The perfume is called Belle Souris. Nancy looks up the perfume in the book and there is a photo of the man that made the perfume. He looks familiar, but Nancy is told that he died like 10 years ago. So the wheels start turning. Nancy links Zoe and the book together. Zoe clearly knows something about perfume and has ants 
access to civets. Could Zoe be the one stealing the civets? Oh, and by the way, the name of the man that made the perfume, his name is Jacques Matou. And I am sorry for butchering all French words. I'm learning French and pronouncing the words is so hard. I just cannot get like the nasally R sound happening. Suddenly, Nancy remembers where she's seen the photo of the man before. It's on Zoe's desk. Huh, looks like we were right, detectives. It is. Zoe does have something to do with it. She runs to the payphone and calls directory assistance to get the address of Classic Sense and finds out that, yes, it's actually spelled S-C-N-T-S, not sense as in nonsense, but sense as in smell. She then hightails it to the address, which is on Bridgewater Road in the rundown area of River Heights. So I'm adding that to our little River Heights directory. Nancy pretty much knows Zoe is responsible, and I guess visiting this place will close out the rest of the mystery. They arrive to a boarded up building and the musky smell of civets greet them along with a pistol in the face held by none other than the man in the mirrored glasses. And this man also bears an uncanny resemblance to Jacques Matou. He drags the girls inside. The civets are in cages and not loose, so they don't attack Nancy and Bess. While getting some rope to tie the girls up, Nancy kicks the gun out of the man's hand. She opens a civet cage and then her and Bess make their escape while the civets begin to claw the man. <laughs> I can just imagine this. Like, this sounds like the most ridiculous scene ever. I can just, yeah, picture it being in a movie. They head to the zoo. Now they know that Owen has nothing to do with any of this because he would never treat the civets the way the man did. Bravo, girls. Well done. Way to cause drama out of nothing. They try to warn George not to go to the zoo, but George's mum tells her that she's there with Owen, trying to talk Mr. Berry into letting him back on the project. Nancy is panicking because they are in danger and they don't even know it. They arrive at the zoo. The line to get in is so long, so Bess and Nancy do what two pretty girls would do and flirt with some dudes at the front of the line and then ditch them once they're inside. They see Zoe and Tyler together and need to follow them. You know they work together. It's not weird to see them together, but, you know, at this point in the book, they must be up to no good, so we've got to spy on them. Otherwise, it wouldn't be in a very exciting book. Bess is going to look for George and Owen, and Nancy will keep an eye on Zoe and Tyler. And how is she going to do this? By getting on the chairlift thing. Of course, I knew that it would make another appearance. The line to the chairlift thing is also really long, but Nancy sees the guy from out the front that she flirted with and uses him to get on. This dude is absolutely loving all the attention. Look at Nancy go, using her looks to get what she wants. While on the chairlift, she manages to overhear Tyler. He was almost shouting, saying, It's not enough, I tell you, you must have more. <laughs> more what? Civet oil? Food for some other zoo animals? Who knows what they could be talking about? Then Nancy feels something hit her. It's a tranquilizer dart and it just missed piercing her skin. Imagine if it hit her and she got knocked out and then she slid out of the chairlift. <laughs> like, I shouldn't laugh, but that just makes me laugh for some reason. It'll just be hilarious and stupid. Speaking of stupid, something even more hilarious happens. Nancy gets impatient waiting for the gondola to get back to its station. So she goes all Tarzan and grabs onto a tree and swings off the gondola chair on to the ground. Yes, really. <laughs> like I swear in these books, these last chapters really do squeeze as much action in as possible. She finds George who is still furious at Nancy and even after Nancy tells her George is not guilty, George doesn't want 
anything to do with Nancy, which is fair enough. It's like you can't just, you know, beg for forgiveness after you know that what George had told you was, you know, correct. George tells them that he was simply handing the dart gun to Zoe when Nancy saw them because he forgot to return it when he left, which makes perfect sense. He forgot the key. He forgot to return everything else. Nancy is upset but doesn't let it get in her way. George is in danger and she must solve the case. Thankfully, Zoe isn't in her office, so Nancy is free to snoop. But will she get busted? Well, we'll find out soon enough. First, she picks up the photo. It is indeed Jacques Matou in the photo, and there are two kids with him. She takes the photo out of the frame. It dates 25 years ago, meaning the kids would be about 30 now. Guess what? Zoe is 30. Could Jacques be her father? Continuing to snoop around the office, she finds some clearly sensed stationery, and in a lock drawer that she quickly lockpicks is a folder that says Property Evergé Mathieu in French. Thankfully, Nancy knows French as we've seen in many books previously. Inside are some recipes. One of them is for the Belsery perfume, and there is also a small vial labeled with the name of the perfume. Nancy places this evidence in her pocket. When you just leave it, there though are the police just meant to believe that you found it where you said you found it or like you could be the one that's stealing the perfume (laughs) i don't know as nancy goes to leave she hears a muffled cry for help coming from the closet and at the same time zoe returns speaking french to the man in sunglasses of course someone comes in it always always happens nancy is hidden behind a coat rack Yes, a coat rack, as if you'd be able to hide behind a coat rack. But anyway, from this hiding spot, she sees Zoe open the closet door and then points a tranquilizer gun at the person inside who is none other than Tyler. Except this time the tranquilizer gun is filled with enough poison to kill someone and that gun was shot at Nancy when she was on the chairlift. Thankfully it missed, otherwise Nancy would be dead now. They shoot Tyler and then they grab the coat that Nancy's hiding behind and wrap him up. Nancy has to confront them now. Nancy's all like, I know you're stealing the civets to make Belsery perfume. And Zoe's all like, oh, you're smarter than you look, which happens in every book. Once Nancy figures it out, like the suspect's always like, oh, wow, you're actually really smart. It's like, yeah, don't you doubt our girl. We learn that the man in the mirrored sunglasses and who is with the Zoe right now, the name is Jean, and he is Zoe's older cousin. They are both French. They want to take the oil and formula to New York, but they have to get rid of Nancy first. Instead of shooting her with the poison, they'll put her in the room with the dangerous animals. It'll look like Nancy stumbled in there herself while snooping and no one would be none the wiser, which is actually genius because Nancy is known for snooping around. Jean pushes her in. A snake lunges for Nancy. Nancy pushes against Jean and lands on him. He hits her with the dart gun and then he raises it to hit her again. Nancy does one of her karate chops and then he loosens the grip on the gun. Nancy shoots the dart at the snake as it lunges towards her again and then goes limp. Aw, poor little snake. Suddenly we hear Zoe screaming and Jean runs out. George and Owen have Zoe in a grip. Jean hits Owen who falls to the ground. Then Nancy comes out and saves the day. She threatens them to stay still or she'll shoot them with the dart gun. They oblige and the cops are called. The civet thieves are caught. Yay, another case solved. Let's hope George forgives Nancy. She does. 
Owen gets his job back. He even gets to intern at the zoo over the summer so he'll get to spend more time with George. I wonder if we'll actually ever hear from him again in another book. Like we did hear from John and I wasn't expecting to see him in future books. So yeah, let's let's keep an eye out, detective. So what was the deal with the perfume? Well, Jacques Matteau was Zoe and Jean's grandfather. When he died, Zoe found the recipes and she figured that it was rightfully hers. So instead of just buying silver oil and letting her competitors catch on, she applied for a job at River Heights Zoo in the civet exhibit to get their oil. Jean handled the actual stealing of the civets and harvesting the oil. Zoe just got him access. And as for Tyler, well, he found out about their scam and was blackmailing them, hence all of his cash. But he got too greedy so they decided to get rid of him it's always the way and speaking of tyler he got to the hospital in time and they managed to get him an antidote for the poison phew but he won't be getting his job back after that Oh, and you know that vial of Belserie? Well, Nancy found it and she gives it to Bess. Yeah, not the police, Bess, that end. Oh, all right, detective. So that book was pretty, pretty obvious on who was responsible for everything, but I still enjoyed it. I love that George got some action, which brings our hookup tally to Bess 5. Nancy, Ned, and George on four. And as for near-death experiences, we had three. She almost got hit by the car in the car park. She almost got shot with a tranquilizer gun. Oh, should we count that? Yeah, I'm going to count that. So there was four. Um, There was that scene where she got held at gunpoint with the civets and then also got thrown into the snake enclosure, bringing us a grand total of 100 and five near-death experiences. And what did we learn about River Heights? Well, we learned that it has a zoo, which is just ridiculous. And we learned about two more stores in the mall. We learned that there isn't a department store called Dailies. I wonder if that will ever come back again. And what was like the name of the department store in the mystery stories? Pretty sure it was called Tyler's or Thompson's or Thomas's. Anyway, um, it's interesting that it's called Dailies now. And we learned about Hermanovich furs, which, yeah, is also never going to be heard of again. Like, I just find it weird. Like, uh, when I draw, <laughs> I'm going to have like this River Heights mall directory, and everyone's going to be like, what? Why does it have so many stores? Like, is this Mall of America or something? Anyway, as always, thank you so much for listening. And I will see you on the next episode, Case 45 Out of Bounds. Bye, Detective.